3: And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry.
2: And I'm Mary Beth.
3: In each episode, our special guest brings with them a movie that traumatized them as a child.
2: This week, our guest is May Murray. She's a writer and editor whose essays and film criticism can be found all over the internet. Her editing debut, The Book of Queer Sates Horror Anthology, just came out.
4: Congratulations, May.
0: Thank you.
4: (laughs) And thanks for being on the show. Welcome. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk about my trauma with you.
3: <laughs> oh,
4: Ooh, we I love cannot it.
3: wait. I cannot wait to dig into this movie. But before we do get there, let's take it back to the very beginning. How did you get introduced to horror?
4: Yeah, I've loved horror for... Since I was a little kid, my grandmother introduced me to horror with movies like Silence of the Lambs and oh, okay. Blade and... Interview with the Vampire. She was really, really into vampires. Still is. Um, like her her latest uh, foray into vampirism was uh, <laughs> Midnight Mass, which she loved. So it's, it's an ongoing conversation. Um, so yeah, that's where the love of horror started. But earlier than that, like maybe before I was 10, I would say, I was really, really scared of horror movies. Um, okay. I think most kids are. So it was kind of an evolution from the time I was, like, small to the time I was, like, 10, 11, when I started, like, really getting into them. What was, like, what was your first, first horror movie? Okay, the first one that I remember seeing first first would be alien um it came on on tv when i was like five years old i remember watching it and it terrified me because i was so scared for the cat like that's the thing i was focused (laughs) on because i I loved cats um so it was almost unbearable to watch because there was a cat in it
3: (laughs) and the cat gets left a couple times and it's like poor kitty jonesy Oh. like I have
4: flashbacks of that cat being in like a vent or something. It's been a long time since I saw it, but like running through events and like my 5-year-old mind just being like please dear god, don't let the alien get it.
3: <laughs> oh man, 5 years old though seeing alien, that's uh that's pretty wild. Even even if it was on television so it might have been edited down, that's still pretty wild.
4: Yeah, I, um, I'm pretty forthcoming with the fact that I had like no parental supervision whatsoever. My dad was actually like, like, even as a small child, he was like, Oh, my God, you've got to see this. I'm like, five years old. I'm like, Okay, (laughs) I guess I'll watch it.
2: (laughs) My dad was very similar was like, Hey, watch this. And I'm like, cool. I'm like a grown
4: up. (sighs) Yeah, I'm, I'm watching grown-up movies. Yay! I'm so cool. Nice and like, oh no,
2: my brain is absolutely destroyed,
4: <laughs> and and thus scarred for life was born. And that
2: and thus scarred and for thus life was. was born. So, aside from the movie that we're talking about today, what were some other movies that really freaked you out as a
4: kid? So many. Um, the Blair Witch Project was a big one, mm. um, and that was because my my mom was like, I was like eight or nine she was like if you don't watch this movie you're a chicken and i was like okay listen my my parents had me when they were very young so they they just okay they were young people in their wait how old were your parents when they had you um my mom was 19 and my dad was
2: 22 Okay. okay cool my parents are similar my mom was 20 and my dad was 22
4: yeah so like they they were in their 20s when they were doing this <laughs> which so, you know like they were younger than me
2: like, i can't even imagine like i have friends who are having kids or like who had kids and have multiple children at at my age of 28 and i'm like I, what in the fuck like i don't understand
4: yeah wild yeah anyway um,
2: derailing from the movies you watched
4: as a kid well, so, so Blair Witch Projects, I was told I was a chicken if I didn't watch it, so I watched it. Um, and I grew up in Arkansas where um, it's pretty common for you to just kind of like put up a tent in the backyard and sleep out there or to just like you go camping every weekend because it's like like a really cheap, almost free thing to do. And so that scarred me for sure, because we were always in this tent. And I would be like up at night in the tent, like watching the sides of it. Like, is it moving? Is it because you know, the part where it's like, they're like battering the sides of the tent. Oh, and- yes, my worst nightmare. That's
2: still I go, I don't go camping a lot. But whenever I do go camping, I will I never I fall asleep thinking about that. It's horrible.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been camping in like many years. And I think the that Blair Witch Project is part of the reason why even now? We don't need to go camping.
2: Camping is it's fine. Who, who, needs, who needs to go camping anyway?
3: My idea of camping is staying at like a Motel 6 or something.
4: Well, similar. It's very similar. <laughs> you just have a little bit more um, protection from, uh-huh. from the witch that's after you. The exactly. exactly.
2: Exactly.
3: So you were scared as a kid watching horror films. Um, but did you have any horror favorites at, from that early age?
4: Let me think about that. Like there were horror type things that I really liked. Like okay. I really liked uh, werewolf stories. Um, I wasn't Ooh. scared of werewolves. I loved werewolves. Um, do you guys remember that show Big Wolf on Campus? <laughs> it was like a TV oh my god show. yes. It came on like ABC Family or something. But it was about yes. this like, high school kid that turns in. It's it's like Teen Wolf before Teen Wolf. And, yeah, I was obsessed with that show. I also loved Buffy. Weirdly enough, sometimes I wasn't allowed to watch it because, like, the witchcraft in it. I mean, I was from the Bible mm. Belt, so mm-hmm. it was like, you can't be watching that. But uh, I watched a lot of that, and I got the, the Buffy, the Vampire Slayer magazines and stuff. So
2: Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so you said you were, like, you were around, like, 11 or 12 when you started watching horror movies and enjoying them? Yeah. So, do you remember like what movie you saw that like really got you to start enjoying horror movies? I think it was Blade.
0: Mm. Like, I think it hell does.
2: yeah, it was Blade. Oh my god, incredible choice—or not choice, but yeah, that's incredible.
4: <laughs> I was really into like the sexuality of the vampires in Blade. Like, as a child, that was like my, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is like sexy. And I think I'm kind of like discovering my sexuality through this right now. Because all of the vampires were so hot. Like the evil vampires. Oh, Stephen so Dorff.
3: Stephen yes! Dorff.
4: hot. <sighs> I was impressed with Deacon Frost like you wouldn't believe.
0: <laughs> Same. I was
4: like, this pasty ass white man is like. <laughs> this-
3: <laughs> <laughs> man of my
4: dreams <laughs> man of my dreams
3: <laughs> oh man I'm looking back at some of the pictures that era with his like bed head hair and just like
4: mm-hmm. he's oh my so god white.
3: just so white
4: <laughs> he's so white and like the leather <laughs> oh, like yeah. I, yeah it was great and then Blade himself was a badass like I wanted to fight like Blade but I also kind of wanted to look like Deacon Frost <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> a great, it's a great combo yeah like, I, I get crushes on these horror, like, icons where I'm just like, do I want to be this or do I want to have sex with this? I can't decide. Or
3: both. Why not both? <laughs> yeah, why not both? <laughs> oh, well, now I want to watch Blade. I know. It's been so long since I've watched those films. <laughs> like,
4: Let's just pause this and watch Blade and then we'll come back. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Bye, guys. We have to go watch Blade. <laughs>
3: Um, Okay, so uh, transitioning to being as an adult, do, do you find yourself getting scared of movies at all like you did as a kid or are you kind of jaded from them now?
4: I don't really get scared because I feel like I'm looking at it with a different lens now. Like every time I watch a a movie, it's through like this critical lens where I'm just like, what am I, what am I getting from this? What am I feeling from this? Like, is there a message, which I I know there's like all this discourse about that, but (laughs) that's just kind of how my brain works. But I I can say that... (laughs) I saw Hereditary in um, an empty theater on the day that it came out. It was like a matinee showing in the middle of the day. Mm. I was the only one in a huge theater. Mm. And I was genuinely terrified. Like, I was genuinely so scared because I was in this huge space by myself where, like, anything could happen. That was, that's the last time I was, like, really scared from a horror movie.
3: Take a shot, listeners. (laughs) That movie comes up a lot. (laughs) <laughs> that one, or um, or Terrified.
2: Oh, Alone by Yourself in a big theater, too. That sounds like a nightmare.
4: Yeah, like, I, I mean, I think it's it's an unsettling movie just on its own, but I don't think I would have been, because I rewatched it at home, and I was like, this isn't as scary as I remembered it, but I was in, like, this giant, dark theater. I was like, mm-hmm. Tony Colette Collette is just going to come climbing on the wall <laughs> at me. Like, I just yep. know it. <laughs>
2: Just skittering down the wall with blood coming out of her neck. It's fine.
4: Yeah, it's fine. There's nothing scary about that. (laughs) Not even a little bit. But so now
2: as an adult, what draws you to the horror genre?
4: Always start out with, um, because I feel like that's a good way to start. (laughs) (laughs) I really just love trying to see what I can get out of a piece of someone else's art. I like to read between the lines of what people are trying to say. And sometimes they're not trying to say anything, (laughs) but sometimes, uh, there's a deeper message that's about, like, who they are as a person, which I feel like when I, when I write horror and when I explore the genre, that that's, I'm kind of leaving clues as to, like, who I am, um, what I've been through, uh, and I try to see if I can get those, like, little nuggets out of horror. So it's kind of like, it's fun and revealing, and helps me feel connected to the person that made it. Yeah, so I, I think that's kind of how I look at it now. I watch a ton of horror movies like that, you know, probably don't have a message like that, but I like to see if I can make it about me because <laughs> because that's what's fun, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually, so. I
2: meant to ask this before before we start talking about what like your more contemporary horror stuff, but did you also read a lot of horror in, when you were younger? Because you you write a lot of horror fiction, so did you read a lot of horror
4: when you were younger? Yeah, um, I read a ton of horror. Uh, I <laughs> I was that kid. I distinctly remember that there was this series of books that were for kids. That was like a spinoff of The Sixth Sense. It was like continuations of like the little what? kid uh solving like mysteries um really? i read those i read those books i was obsessed with them
3: i did not know that was a thing yeah. i didn't either
4: we were like little scholastic book fairs huh. book fair things the sixth sense scholastic book fair wow mm. yeah.
3: the best time best time of the year the best time
4: and i i read anne rice and stephen king of course i read a lot of that of course i read goosebumps i read uh what else did i read I I read a lot of different things, but I've only really gotten into writing horror fiction in the past year, I would say. Oh, okay. It was kind of like a relatively new development where I was like, I kind of want to see if I can do this thing that other people are doing that I really love, you know, we'll see how it goes.
3: Well, so speaking of which, you also are an editor and your uh, debut editing piece just came out, The Book of Queer Saints. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about that book and what our listeners can look forward to in it?
4: The book is 13 uh, original stories by queer horror writers that kind of was born of this idea of, like, you know, what is good and bad representation for queer people? It came about because I was witnessing, like, some close friends even being bullied for the kind of horror fiction they were writing, kind of other queer people saying this is bad queer representation. And there were a lot of assumptions being made about how they identify like with their gender and their sexuality. Um, and I was witnessing this kind of like fallout of like people having to come out before they were ready mm. and things like that, just because the internet said so or the yep. internet, you know, was jumping on them and just forcing them out before they're ready. So as a response, I decided that I would make this book where we lean really, really hard into some of the more transgressive um elements of queer fiction and really lean hard into queer villains specifically imperfect queer characters who do bad things and kind of make a statement about how that is part of freedom as well it's good to have your whatever it's called love simon or whatever on the big screen like it's it's cool to have that and that's good for kids growing up but for a lot of us we didn't have that Like we, we, we had sort of like an underground understanding of queer culture. And I think Mm -mm. that comes out in the horror fiction that people our age are writing and just kind of like bridging that disconnect between the generations. Like, no, it's okay. Part of freedom is being, being able to be bad too.
3: (laughs) I love hearing you say that because it's it's kind of like I find myself somewhere being pulled in the middle where it's like I, I'm glad also that you brought up like Love, Simon or the, the Hulu show like Love, Victor. That's that um, I really enjoy as a 41 year old. I love watching it because, again, like you said, it's not content I had when I grew up. My content, the queer characters are either like made fun of or they were like subtext. Right. So, like, yeah. I, I think there is like there's like a push in some queer communities to, like, get that more, like, mainstream recognition that is, like, the Love Simons and the uh, the big uh, movie that Billy Eichner is doing later this year, where he's, like, it's, like, a, a romantic comedy. It's, like, going to be the first romantic comedy between gay-, gay men on, like, from big, you know, studio-produced type, like, thing. And so there's, like, there's that, and I think that's great, but then I also do think that we, that there's a lot of like, especially from my generation when, when I was growing up through it, a lot of that avant garde, a lot of that, you know, underground type horror stuff that, that it was going on. A lot of it in like the '80s, that kind of pop, that kind of punk like aesthetic that was going on, and that sort of like "fuck you" and uh, mentality that was going on. That, whereas you had like pride, and then you had like these other people that were like, "No, fuck that. We don't want to conform to heteronormativity, that kind of stuff." And I, I think that's something that I'm, I'm starting to see like a, a more renaissance with, and I think that's fantastic.
4: Yeah, I, I think you know, there's this belief. I, I see it a lot. I mean, it, it's from everywhere, but also in the horror community where you think things have to be one or the other all the time. Like there's the discourse about should horror movies be horror for horror's sake or should they say something bigger like mm-hmm. like that elevated horror versus not elevated horror or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why can't things just exist and it be both? And I feel mm-hmm. the same way about Queer Rep. Like we should be able to have all of it you know, like it that we shouldn't have to uh, choose between one or the other. And I think one point that one of the authors in the book made during another interview, Haley Piper, she said that like no amount of sanitizing yourself Mm. uh, is going to make straight people like you, like no amount of representation that conforms to the kinds of like high school love stories that straight folks like is going to make people see you as a human being. Mm
1: -hmm.
4: Um, And I think that, yeah, I think that that's part of the pushback against queer villains and horror is that they're like, we don't want people to see us this way. But it's like, probably those people aren't going to read it anyway. So (laughs) it's like, you're reading it because you're a queer person, but... Like, you know, it's not for them. It's made for queer people by queer people.
3: Yeah. And I think that's the important distinction, right? Because um, I, I do think that if I were to watch a movie that was made by um, a straight person that had, like, um, really bad queer representation in it, I would feel one thing. But, like, if it's if it's being made by the queer community, I honestly think we have seen ourselves as both, like, the other. We've seen ourselves as invisible. We've seen ourselves as, like, literally the monster as well as figuratively the monster. And now I do like that we are able to kind of play with that expectation and make characters that aren't just like, we are the best. We're wonderful. No, you might, you're just as fucked up as the rest of people, you know? And yeah. I, I, I saw that a lot. Like I recently, I, and I know he's one of the authors that that contributed to to this book, but Eric LaRocca, some of his, uh, we had, re- we had just recently talked with him and we had talked about his. um
4: Things have gotten worse since we last spoke. Yeah.
3: Yes. We just talked to him about that book and about, you know, the the queer characters in there aren't necessarily the best you know people and so there's like complications and there's you know i i just i think that that is i love that we're finally at a stage where we can have that and we can have characters that aren't just one side of representation you know what i mean
2: and like we finally have villains that we can say are queer villains without Mm -hmm. kind of
3: reading between the lines
4: Yeah, they're unabashedly, like, they're unabashedly queer, and they're not villains because they're queer, they're villains who happen to be queer. Mm -hmm. Exactly.
2: So how did you really get started in your writing and started realizing you wanted to write about horror?
4: Well, I mean, does it count to be, like, a little like 12 year old writing yourself into werewolf stories <laughs> like, right? uh, yes it does
2: <laughs> I wrote myself into Harry Potter I know when it before all of these horrible things happened I wrote myself into all that stuff when I was younger that's how I got started writing too
4: yeah definitely like fan fiction I guess I would say like I, I wasn't Hell like a yeah. fan fiction, I wasn't a fan fiction writer um but if something came like Like, if I wanted more of something, then I would seek out fan fiction, specifically the queer fan fiction. Mm. uh,
2: Hell yeah. I
4: was like, I I need more of this and I need it to be gay, please. (laughs) Oh, but fan uh, fan fiction is uh, like,
2: I know people always laugh about fan fiction, but I feel like fan fiction gave so many of us an outlet when we were like young and on the internet and like didn't have access, not even on the internet, but like didn't have access to things that we really wanted. And you found, you found a little bit of a community. On the online,
4: yeah, I, I I didn't write fan fiction so much, but I did role playing games online, where oh, like, yeah, you, where <laughs> you like choose choose a, an existing character, like like vampire Willow or something, you know, from Buffy, and then you play as that character. I did stuff like that a lot, um, and kind Ooh, of cool. realized through writing those characters that maybe I could actually write a book about <laughs> about evil characters, which I haven't done yet, but that's next on the agenda. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, speaking of next on the agenda, I did see on Twitter that you recently posted about a uh, queer horror novel, an experiment in community that is going to be launching on, on Kickstarter. W- w- can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? When it, And when is that going to launch on Kickstarter? Can you say that yet?
4: Yeah, it's going to launch on May 23rd.
3: Okay. and <gasps>
4: Almost my birthday. My birthday is May 14th. So I... <laughs> oh. Your birthday is after my fiancés. Wow. (laughs) Look at this.
2: Are we all, like, Tauruses? No, I'm a Gemini. He's a Taurus.
0: Hmm.
4: (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) just kidding. (laughs) That's about
0: the response
2: I usually get. (laughs) Yeah, you used to say in your corner, Capricorn. (laughs) Wow. I don't know what that means. It just sounds. I don't know. I don't know what that means. I don't really don't know what any of that means. But anyway, oh.
4: <laughs> wait. Was I talking about <laughs> the queer horn? Yes, horror the novel May fourteenth, the release community. of your horn. Horror... I'm no, so May 14th sorry. 14th yeah. is my thirtieth birthday. <laughs> it's your birthday. Uh, May twenty third is the uh, the launch of the Kickstarter. So, essentially, I'm crowdfunding a. Like, an adva- like a writing advance, trying to see how viable it is to be an indie horror author when you have virtually no money. Mm. Um, so I'm trying, to, <laughs> I'm trying to encourage people to kind of step away from traditional publishing and also make a living from indie, indie horror publishing. So I'm trying to see if there's a way for folks to do that. Essentially, yeah. So it's not just about the book, but people who who donate to the campaign will also get pretty much uh, bi monthly updates on the process of writing a first horror novel, um, including like the books I'm reading, the software I'm using, um, like character sheets, uh, plot like maps, things like that, so that people can kind of see an inside look into what the process is like. Also how my mind is, is working through um, all of this stuff. Uh, And hopefully it'll be something inspiring for other writers to decide like, Hey, I want to write my first novel. Um, And now I kind of have a map of how to do that.
2: Cool. That's so cool. Well, May, we have talked about your horror history and your horror work, but what movie did you bring with you today (laughs) for us to talk about?
4: (laughs) I have brought the wonderful 1976 film Grizzly. Yes, you
2: have. So, <laughs> for the uninitiated, um, Grizzly is all about an 18 foot tall grizzly bear who terrorizes a state park. Which, le- in it, bleh, eight- <laughs> why? <laughs> Jesus. Oh my God. <laughs> In Grizzly, an eighteen foot tall grizzly bear terrorizes a state park, leaving it up to a park ranger to save the day.
3: Boy. <laughs> I, I have a <laughs> lot of questions about this because honestly, my note was a full of what with when I was when I was writing, when I was taking notes watching this movie. but I just I gotta know. take us back to the beginning. How did you see this movie? When did you see it? What about it scared you? Give us your horror story.
4: So it all begins. <laughs> I was seven or eight years old.
3: <laughs> was it a stormy night?
4: It was a stormy night. No, it was it was daylight. I actually mm. remember this, like I was literally scarred by this guys. It was during the day popped in the VHS. My stepmother had gotten it from like a yard sale or something. Okay. The The VHS cassette tape, because you could find those for like a, a buck or whatever. And she saw it and was like, okay, I'll get this. This is a dollar. She brings <laughs> it home, gives it to me, and I pop it in. And I'm, I turned it off at the moment where the like lead actress falls into a puddle of blood and like it, oh. it, it like it like goes up to her forearms. I, I turned it off after that because I was like, I don't think that I should be watching this and also I'm <laughs> terrified. So I turned it off after that and I didn't watch any more of it until Wednesday when I started when I when I watched it in full.
0: Oh wow. No okay. way. I'm
4: serious. <laughs> and so so this movie has haunted me for <laughs> literally over twenty years of my life.
3: <laughs> Holy shit! Wow.
4: So, what'd you think? <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, okay, but before we do, I, I, do have, I do have a, I do have a question. So, because you had said that you had watched uh Blair Witch, and you know the whole camping aspect, because you would camped out in your yard, did this also kind of terrify you because the first kill is in a tent or like people around a tent?
4: Well, there are bears in Arkansas. And and so I was really scared of going camping. And you're always taught to like hang your trash like high up in a tree and Mm. to put your food in your car so that bears won't come around at night. And so I was terrified because I was certain that I was going to be mauled by uh, an impossibly large bear. Yeah. That's a real fear, though. I'm going to be honest with you. That
2: is a, a fear of mine. And I'm not scared. grizzly didn't scare me.
4: <laughs> Bears are huge. Like, like, it, it definitely doesn't scare me now. I'll say that. But like, as a child, I was very scared of, you know, what if you're walking through the woods and you fall into a puddle of blood and then you <laughs> come across two maimed women. <laughs> <laughs> I think about that all the time. I
2: don't know what you're talking
4: about. Yeah, I still think about that and it's because of Grizzly.
3: That's amazing. You know, it, it's funny cuz um I I grew up in the 80s and when I and in the 80s like that's when I was like a little kid and I remember going to I lived in Alaska at the time and I remember going to the video store and seeing this VHS box. Um, and I always picked it up. My parents would never let me watch it. I don't know why. My parents are very weird. It was like a roll of the dice whether I was going to be allowed to watch a horror movie or not. And but I remember picking up this box and the the cover of it like really just grabbed me. And the and the the poster art is by the kind of legendary comic artist Neil Adams, who did a lot of work for like DC and and Marvel and stuff. And I remember just being like enamored with that box and being like, wow, this movie is going to be great. Maybe I'll be able to watch it one day, but I never did, but I did. I, I was scared of bears because I went living in Alaska. We, Ooh, we lived yeah. up, um, our neighborhood, like our backyard kind of faced a, wilderness and i would go out there and i would just play in the wilderness all day because it's like in the 80s and kids just sort of like left home and fled and they came back at night you know but my night would be going out playing in the woods where there are moose and there are bears and there's one time where we were kept after school um elementary school because there was a bear in the playground so they had to keep us indoors until they could shoo the bear away so it was like, it was a, that was like a very valid fear. And I remember the poster of the bear and he's like stretched out in his arms are like cowering over, of course, a woman, because, you know, it's that kind of push and pull between, oh my God, it's a virginal woman on the cover. And there's this giant bear that's going to m- destroy her. And, but like, that's what I remember seeing as a kid. And this can we also talk time. about
4: how that woman isn't even in the movie? That's oh, just I know. like a random, <laughs> <laughs> like blonde woman with big breasts. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: fine it's so weird
4: but i'm glad that you mentioned the cover art because when i went to my stepmother who who bought it i was like this is terrifying and she was like oh i thought it was a friendly bear excuse me shut up what
3: did you not look at the cover i
4: thought it was a friendly bear like if you're listening to this i need you to go look I need you to go look at the cover and tell me what kind of excuse that was. (laughs) Valid. (laughs) What? I thought it was a
2: friendly... I'm going to start... Wow.
4: She was... So... I my, my villain or, origin story is that I did have like a very abusive stepmother, so she was oh. kind of a what's what's the word um, like compulsive liar. So oh. I feel like it might not have oh. like he, he, he might have even wanted to scare me. Who knows? But the fact remains that it is. If you look at the cover art, it is absolutely bonkers statement.
3: There's nothing on that cover that says this is like, uh, you know, Smokey or w- what's his name? Yogi Bear. There's no, smoky. There's no there's
4: Smokey the Bear, Yogi Bear.
3: There's no Smokey or Yogi on the front cover of this. No. <laughs> no. Not
4: even a little bit. Like, it looks like the Jaws poster. Yeah, it it was part. So Jaws came out the year before, and I'm mm-hmm. fairly certain mm-hmm. that it was just part of that, like, Oh, so they did, like, a giant scary shark. So we're going to see how many animals, like, giant scary animal movies we can make and kind of ride the wave of oh, that. Oh, it
3: was. Oh, it was. Oh, yes. It absolutely was.
4: Like, Jaws is, like, such an incredible movie. And then you watch Grizzly. <laughs> <laughs> the effects are, like... Like the girl gets mauled by a bear and they put strips of bacon on her face to make it look like she was clawed.
3: (laughs) Listen, some of the the blood in this is like the worst blood I've seen, like up to and almost including CGI blood that is popular now. It's like right at that line of like, this is literally, they smeared ketchup on someone's face. Like that is the kind of effects that we are getting out of this film.
4: (laughs) Yeah. They were definitely using kitchen items like the. The the girl who gets mauled in the cabin that had to have been bacon on her face. Like I'm pretty sure that that's what it was. <laughs> like I looked at it more than once, and I'm like, that's bacon.
3: I love it. Sometimes but, you but yes, just got
4: to cut corners somewhere.
3: Of, of course, <laughs> but yes. So this this was absolutely one of those Jaws uh, ripoffs because they were hugely popular in the late li- in the late uh, 70s and into the 80s as like more Jaws movies got released and were racking up money. Like this was like the. Because even within the first, like, three years of Jaws' release, you had stuff like Mako, the Jaws of Death, Tintorera, Piranha, Orca. All of those came out within, like, three years after that that movie's release. And then you also have Grizzly, which, to be honest, this is like a plot-for-plot, plot-point-by-plot-point almost remake of of Jaws, except it has, like, a, a giant grizzly, and it's... Nowhere near is classic.
4: <laughs> yeah, they've like they've they've put it in a different setting, but it has the exact same elements of like this money hungry like authority figure who's like, no, we're gonna let them camp. We're gonna let them camp, and then they keep getting torn apart. Also, the body count is not as high as <laughs> as Jaws. Because the the bear works slower. He,
3: he he's a very slow creature. You know, it's it's yeah. he's he's hungry, but he doesn't eat anything. So
4: the line, okay, sorry, the line where um he's like, the bear likes women. He's like, oh, oh we God. have that in common. <laughs> yes and then after that line the bear starts killing men too even though up until that point he'd only killed women i was just like what is what's happening
3: i literally made a note where it's like why are all the victims women and then of course that it was like right after that that he makes the comment about like oh gosh what he likes women and keeps moving and the helicopter guy's like i like trolling too and i'm like what what (laughs) okay what is this dialog
2: but this whole movie is so misogynistic and like you know look i understand it's 76 i understand but like this just opens up with like a daughter trying to help her dad they're like women shouldn't be helping their fathers your father can do his run his own hotel and i'm like who are any of you and he was like she's like I've only known you for a few weeks, but you are a woman. Let your father do it. That's a man's job. And I was like, who are... Do you guys barely know each other? Like,
3: what is happening? (laughs) The the dialogue between Kelly, the park ranger, and Allison, the old man's daughter, is just... It's just... It's it's so bad. It's perfect. It's like, Kelly, the problem is you're spoiled. And then Allison replies, I don't feel spoiled. I feel needed. (laughs) And then he's like, I think your father can handle his end. It's yours you should be worried about. And she's like, somehow I always end up getting it together. I'm like, what is this? What is this? The script feels like someone, you know, one of the popular things that's like really big right now is someone taking like one of those AI story generator bots and then feeding it (laughs) scripts of things and then seeing what it's going to spit out. I feel like someone did that like back in the 70s, like someone magically created this AI story generator and was like, let's toss in Jaws and toss in all these other like animal attack scripts and then see what it comes up. Because the dialogue makes absolutely no sense in here.
4: (laughs) Yeah, it makes no sense. Agreed. There were parts of it where I was kind of like zoning out cuz I was like I I feel like it's it would be a great movie to watch like in a in a crowded theater mm, of people mm-hmm. who know that it's just ridiculous. That's the only time that you should really watch it. <laughs>
3: There's, it's a good drinking movie. <laughs> this would absolutely, absolutely be a good drinking movie. There, so okay. The first attack. I want to let's 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 get back to to on this very first attack sequence where the two women are walking back to camp and they're having the most inane conversation. Like, <laughs> do you guys know the idea of like rhubarb peas and carrots? Have you ever heard of that? that saying so on on set when people want to have like background dialogue where you're not going to hear what they're saying but you want them to look like they're having a conversation that's what they tell you to say is like rhubarb peas and carrots peas and carrots because it looks like you're having a conversation oh oh interesting that is what it feels like they're actually doing except they're actually having an actual conversation but it is as a name is background stuff that should have been like in the background but it's brought to the front and i'm just i'm like what 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 are we what what is going on here and then Mary Beth, you made a note about the way, the way that she dies and the scream
2: so okay so this <laughs> entire attack sequence is very much like jaws like beat for beat from the the music that like swells up to i mean like obviously it's two women and it's not in at the beach but still like it has those those beat for beat things with jaws and then the one of the women is killed and lets out this like like it's not it's not like a scream it's like her like kind of guttural reaction and it just starts echoing and they echo it multiple times just like huh.
3: <gasps> <gasps> it sounds like some DJ is going to make a music track out of it, like, oh, uh, 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 you know, it's like they were trying to make like a song out of it. Well, and I
2: immediately like that, like, I already knew, but at that point, I was like, oh, this is just going to be like an insane ride that like is just full of these weird decisions with and like, all I could think about in this movie was the music and how it's like, very weirdly... I don't know if patriotic is the right word, but like in the Mm. opening sequence, we have the opening cards and it's these beautiful shots of the mountains. And after I think one of the rangers goes, this is perfect America country or something about like it being beautiful, like, like this is what America is. And they have this like cheerful music that almost sounds like something out of like a TV land show, like Leave it to Beaver or something. And... Yeah. That continues throughout, which I was like, "Is this a purposeful thing to like contrast with the violence, or am I just trying to make this make sense in my acad- my horror academic brain?"
4: Yeah, I I noticed that too. Where it's like da da da, like it's like so lovely, it's it's so, so lovely. yeah, exactly. And then you're like, "What mo- what kind of movie is this?" Is because it it starts to feel kind of like a like an adventure movie Mm. and you're like, okay, is this like, like an action adventure type movie? And then the the maulings begin to happen. And in between the maulings, you have the same track of like lovely music as they're like going about the woods. I'm like, that was certainly a choice.
2: And then they also have music that sounds like it's got like a theremin. So it sounds like alien (laughs) abduction music sometimes too. And I was like, Wait. What? It's just like, totally, this movie is such a fucking mess. Like from every part of this movie that you could apply the word tone to it's off. Like, it's just off. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So that opening scene where the the pilot who later becomes like one of the three main characters in this, and you're right, the music is is patriotic. The music is talking about that. But I love the line because he talks, he says, He's talking about how, you know, further encroachment and we're going to destroy this natural beauty. And and he's like, and if we if we can protect it, we just might be able to keep this typical and completely American landscape forever. And I'm like, OK, so that is the start of this movie. And I was like, OK, so are we talking about how like encroachment is going to, you, you know, cause like animals to attack? Like, is that is this like a, an actual like, you know, nature type thing where it's like, yeah, we got to preserve this country because, you know. If we start to, you know, encroach on it, then the animals will come in, you know, destroy things. I'm like, is that, is that what we're doing here? But it never really follows through with that. Okay. No.
4: And like, that's a message I could have gotten behind. Yeah. Like if, if they had leaned into that, I would have been like, okay, this, this movie has something to, to actually say. Um <laughs> But But what
2: what this movie actually has to say is, it's not bear, it's grizzly. There's a difference. It's my favorite line of the whole movie. (laughs) Because I pulled it up on my iPad because I was curious. But, like, you have the very much, like, Officer Brody, Mayor of Town. I... A co- good conversation mm-hmm. and how, but I absolutely love where like it's not a bear, it's a grizzly, and they're like a bear is a bear. I'm like, are we all fighting about what a bear is right now?
3: We're <laughs> we fighting about the nomenclature for a bear. <laughs> so it's not a bear, it's a grizzly. I'm
4: like they're just like arms flying everywhere, and they're like, a bear did that. No, <laughs> it's a grizzly, and and then so the viewer is like, bear. could you please get your priorities straight? <laughs> let's have
2: no more semantics guys. get go take care of the thing in the woods. Right.
3: I loved okay, so I love the conversation that um, Kelly the The park ranger has with the doctor. This is, again, a plot point directly out of um, Jaws, right? Where they're showing, like, the the remains of the person and, you know, explaining, like, this could have been a shark that did it, you know, that kind of stuff. That's kind of what we get here. The doctor's examining the body under a bloody sheet, and he's like, well, it was a big one, all right. And Kelly's telling him, you know, well, bears don't eat, don't he- eat humans. And he's like, this one does. <laughs> <laughs> or this one did. And I'm like, what? But we get to we, we get to the trio of characters and so we have Kelly who's obviously the Brody stand-in you have Scott who we got to talk about Scott the nature scientist who's literally wearing Hooper's beanie through most of this movie Hooper from Jaws <laughs>
4: I didn't think about it
3: either. <laughs> I was like, "Well, I kept going." Is like, "Okay, so this is obviously the trio from Jaws." Because then you also have Stober, the helicopter pilot who's seen shit, who's the stand-in for Quint, who's the one that takes him out on the boat, right? So, like, you have that the, that dichot or that like connection there. And then I'm looking at Scott, who is introduced wearing a deer skin cape, and he has been <laughs>
2: sorry, <it's> so...
3: <laughs> <laughs> he has been living with the deer. <laughs>
4: Yeah, he's been living amongst the animals of the forest.
3: <laughs> and it's because Kelly calls him on his phone that his, like, living with the deer, his harmony that he has created is, like, interrupted and no longer him with his deer skin cape is no longer being accepted by the deer. <laughs> what, what is going on? But that, he's a weird character. In I love that
2: movie. <laughs>
4: Yeah, the, I mean I want that movie. Have you seen Grizzly Man? <laughs> that, that's basically oh, the, the real life version oh, of that. Oh Grizzly Man. <laughs> oh yeah.
2: terrible. Oh my god. But we should um we should talk about the bear himself because mm. he was a good boy. He was a good boy. Mm. Big boy. Teddy, the Kodiak Bear, was eleven feet tall and the largest bear in captivity. Eleven feet. When he is standing by that helicopter, I was like <laughs>
4: I also love how, for, like, the, the first hour of the movie, you don't actually see the bear. You just see, like, the little paws going, oh <laughs> and then you see, like, like a, a glove that looks like a bear paw swiping, <laughs> and, and you'll hear, like, bear roars, <laughs> but you never actually see the bear, and then there's a person laying with bacon on their face dead. Yep. I mean, to be exactly.
3: fair, we also get the bear cam, like the killer POV. The from, I call it the grunt cam because it's basically just like <laughs> all you hear is the camera. And then it's like, <laughs> 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 like the entire time. I'm like, this is so like, he's just <laughs> grunting. So I like, I just named it the grunt cam in my notes. I was like, mm. here's the grunt cam.
0: cam. I,
3: <laughs> I did think that that was, um. It got old using that, but there was a couple times where it was kind of a cool shot. I really liked how they were simulating the bear standing up on its hind legs and like the camera would move up to be like a tall bear looking down at people. I thought that was actually kind of cool and unique. But yeah, that is, you basically get someone with a gloved hand and a grunt cam for like most of this movie.
4: I appreciate you, Terry, like really reaching to find the good in this.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I am a sucker for a good killer POV, especially with animals, because I'm like, I think it is really fat, like, I love it. Because, like, again, the found footage bitch in me is, like, always thinking about that stuff. And it's it's so cool, like, oh, cool, we're gonna see from the perspective of the animal. Again, it's totally copping off of Jaws. Like, I don't think they're being super original, but it's always just kind of cool to be like, well, at least you guys did try to do something a little different, like, a little bit more than the typical, like just on the dudes the whole time. What if they told the whole movie from the perspective of the bear? That would be incredible.
3: <laughs> a found footage movie from the bear's perspective. <laughs> Someone put, like, a camera on the bear's head to, like, you know, track it and then we just <gasps> see it on its rampage. Oh, don't give me that. Don't give me ideas.
4: <laughs> My brain was going to... What if it was a mad scientist who built like a robot bear that was killing people and then you could see through the eyes everything the bear
0: saw?
4: Let's make that. that. Yeah, let's do that.
2: That would be cool. And it's
4: found footage. It's it's the it's the film that they have extracted from this robot bear. (laughs) I gotta go!
2: I have to go write it. (laughs) Goodbye.
3: But so, Marybeth, you did mention the, the bear that, that played the bear Teddy, and I just want to throw out a couple little little factoids that I discovered about this bear. Please they rented
2: because I love him.
3: They rented him from the Olympic Game Ranch in Sequim, Sequim, Washington. <laughs>
2: rented a bear is very funny is like the phrase uh-huh. saying i rented a bear
3: like literally <laughs> rented a ginormous bear
4: the biggest bear that they could possibly find
3: uh-huh and so but he was kept behind an electric fence at this at this um this ranch and so in order to fool the bear they apparently created used green string and like put it out throughout the the filming to keep the bear contained in an area and use like a A kitchen timer, a ticking kitchen clock to like simulate an electric fence so that the bear would not think that it could go outside of the areas so that they could contain it to specific parts and keep it away from the crew. That's one point. The other point is is that the bear wouldn't bore.
2: (laughs) I would absolutely shit my pants if I did not actually have a fence keeping this bear contained. If they were like, oh yeah, we're just tricking him. I'm like, I don't want to be here when he finds out that he can go through that 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 piece of string.
3: Well, they did they did trick him a few times where they had like different sizes of fish and they would try to like get like this really large piece of fish to like get him to do stuff and then they would replace it with a small fish. And then eventually he saw the the big fish outside of it and he went lunging for it, and it was like a big a big moment of like oh shit because this giant bear is lunging for this giant piece of fish but he wouldn't roar and so there's this video on youtube it is a making a videos like seven minutes seven minutes long but it had some of the footage of them shooting the bear and in order to get like the kind of roaring face that he would do they would throw mush- marshmallows into his mouth and then hold the last one like right outside of his of his aim and he just like lean forward like
4: Oh, my God. Trying to
3: get it. And there's actually a little bit of a footage of them holding out this little marshmallow and the bear straining to, like, try to get it. And that's how they made the faces for the roars.
4: That's crazy. Uh
3: Uh-huh.
4: That's, like, the cutest roar story. Like, (laughs) they're withholding a marshmallow from this bear. And he just really wants that marshmallow.
3: <laughs> he just really wanted that marshmallow and the fish. And...
4: and and that's the face that he's making when he's maiming people and murdering <laughs> them. It's really, I want that marshmallow face. I'm what so glad on. that I know that now.
3: Oh, my gosh. Uh, okay. I, I also want to talk about Kittredge, the the Mayor Vaughn stand-in who owns the park. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm a little confused about his plan because at one point he had, cause okay. First of all, throughout this entire movie, Kelly is, is kind of without saying it, he's trying to get him to close the park. And it's really kind of funny. Cause he's like, close down the camp. And he's like, no. And he's like, okay, how about now? He's like, no, <laughs> now, no. And then it's finally like, okay, maybe we should shut down the park. But what I love is that Kelly, Kelly talks to him and basically accuses him of, Wanting to have all the press here to film all the devastation because he wants a job in Washington, so he's going to let a bear kill a bunch of people so that he can get a job in Washington or in yeah in Washington. Is that
4: how,
2: sounds how... like most politicians?
4: <laughs> yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of like you know to show off like I can handle this disaster like I'm I'm handling it very effectively and that's going to get him a job in washington the 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 logic doesn't make a lot of sense because you would assume that people dying in your park bad <laughs> you know
3: uh-huh continuously right. dying in the park and it's not getting shut down and but i but the lie the line that really killed me and it was like another one of my what did i just hear moments is when kelly's like so you can go to washington and get one of those nice dark brown plastic offices Dark brown plastic offices? Again, I'm, I'm AI bot. I'm fully
4: convinced that this was all, uh, like, there was no script, and they just told these guys to just kind of, like, improvise the whole thing, and they had a general idea of how, like, where they wanted it to go, and that's it. It's improv, but, like, not
2: good improv. You know, we no. like, oh, yeah, look, we made them, we helped them improv. And they were like, guys, we're going to improv the whole script. And everyone's like, I don't know what improv is.
4: And, and they just... We've done it. <laughs> Dark brown plastic uh,
2: office.
3: <laughs> what even is that? What <laughs> so even it's is, like, is that? My, okay,
4: so, like, what I'm
2: trying to kind of extrapolate in my head is, like, I feel like I, in the 70s, a lot of offices were, like, The aesthetic was a darker brown color, but the plastic part I don't get. I think wood paneling or wood, but plastic?
3: Yes, that's what I'm like. You could have just said dark brown offices and that would have made sense, but then you had to throw in the plastic.
2: I feel like if you just said dark brown office, it would have been like, why does that even matter? (laughs) (laughs) There was no way that line could have made it. it That should have been rewritten, (laughs) like overhaul that one, because...
3: After that, the note, I'm like, I'm going through my notes and the note that I took right after that is I don't think this movie makes a lick of sense is my note following immediately following that. And then after that, that comment, Kittredge finally does closes the camp and Kelly turns to the one press guy that we've seen through throughout like part of this movie. And he's like, that includes the press, mister. And the reporter's like, people have the right to know. And he's like, well, you've got your story. The story's about greed. I don't want him to go to Washington. I'm feeling sorry for myself. (laughs)
4: <laughs> there's that ai again
3: Yeah, it's like throwing words together that i was fine up until that point and then he had to throw in i'm feeling sorry for myself like <laughs> so
4: it's so much of so much of this episode is just going to be why?
0: <laughs> Why?
4: Well, can we talk about the ending
2: before I know we wanna talk about, I wanna talk a little bit about the reception and the director, but I would love to talk about the ending because the ending is truly incredible, uh, involving a helicopter and two men with some guns and the most incredibly horrible editing between a real bear and a man in a bear suit I've
4: ever seen. And like a grenade launcher? Yes. Well,
2: a grenade launcher. What? Yeah, so there's, a, it's like they're in the helicopter chasing the bear, and he gets, is it, oh god, the, the pilot, what the fuck? It's over. The pilot gets really close to the bear, and he's like, have faith, friend. And then it just all go like, he tries to land, they open the door, and the bear, in a, a man in a bear suit with, like, bright, shining eyes, is just in the door. <laughs> and then, like, intercutting... Now And like the editing is incredible because you can totally tell that what was shot with like the bear with not with people and then when they splice it all together and then the helicopter is spinning in a circle and <laughs> it's just chaos reigns this ending.
3: Stover gets thrown from it. He has his gun with two bullets. He shoots, somehow misses yep. the bear, then starts to use it as a bat. The bear chases yep. after them, has a showdown. And then Kelly starts shooting his rifle at the bear and then grabs the bazooka. And shoots it. Yeah, what?
2: Why do you have it? That was what... I I was like, why the fuck do you have a bazooka? Like, that seems like a
4: lot. When did it get there? And also, why didn't they use it in the first place? I mean, if you have it...
3: The reason why it's there, and this kills me, is that we start to learn a little bit about Stober's backstory, about how he fought in Nam. And he uses some really racist terms about how, how like, he was having to shoot these yeah. people. And the body count got so much that he had to basically disassociate what he was doing. And he's like, and now I'm back in the thick of things. It's basically, like, what I got from it. And what kills me is that earlier, there is a, there's a moment where the three men are sharing a moment sort of like in Jaws, but instead of having, like, this really powerful story that Quint tells about the Indianapolis and the sharks in the water, he's telling a story about, um, a group of indigenous people who are murdered by a bear, and then he makes a comment about how, what was the line, but is, is basically, like, suggesting that he was one of the indigenous people?
2: Yeah. You know, a normal thing for you to say about anything.
3: Because he's like, that he was one of the indigenous people that was murdered by the bear, or yeah. that was that survived the bear mauling. And I was like, what is going on?
4: Yeah. I, I had totally <laughs> forgotten about that part. I think like probably like dissociated that part, <laughs> that part out. And it's just so funny. Cause like, we're talking
2: about it and saying like, Oh, this is so funny. This is so weird because there's not a lot of substance to this movie. Like it's hard to discuss a lot of things here because it's like, so yeah. obviously the surface level version of what Jaws was doing and talking about like, to, like, um, bureaucracy and law enforcement and all of this interesting stuff and about the environment and here it's like yeah okay we t- we we saw jaws and got it but just like the aesthetics we didn't actually understand why it was so good and then you're watching it and you're just like well th- that's all this is with a little bit more misogyny in it and by a little bit like a lot more misogyny in it what
3: happened to Allison
2: thank you thank you because I thought she, I was excited at the beginning I'm like okay cool so Allison's getting introduced at the beginning here so like she's gonna be one of our main our main characters and she just disappears
4: yeah I mean okay. it's it's like the rest of the script it's, it's utter chaos people come to <laughs> know and most of the lines have nothing to do with the line that came before it
3: so so, yeah so like there's this there's this whole discussion with Allison and, and Kelly where she's like she wants to come on the trip and she's a photographer and she wants to go and find this bear and he's like telling her no I'm not gonna have you in danger and she's like you don't get to tell me that like it's almost as if like we're going to do sort of like a yay women feminist thing but then he's like again with the 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 lines i don't feel like playing little boy girl games
2: oh i hate that
3: line and then he kisses her or gives her a peck sort of and i'm like wait when did y'all's relationship It was the
2: most unsexiest kiss i've oh. ever seen in my entire life it was like two pieces of rock hitting each other and bouncing away <laughs> <laughs> so unsexy <laughs> i was like this is the most like I've seen some bad movies, but this is one of the most unconvincing <laughs> relationships. Like, they're trying to have this, like, look, they're so funny and stubborn and butting heads because she's a she's a stubborn lady, likes to speak her mind. And he doesn't like it when ladies speak their mind. And I was like, I, nope, I don't think this is doing what you think it is.
4: Yeah. I mean, no character in that film really had any sort of chemistry with the other.
2: No. <laughs> They had all met they're all strangers. Like they had literally just met that day on set and had never spoken before a day in their
3: life. I do want to give a shout out to Gail, the other uh, woman character in this. Do you even remember Gail? Because I would I would understand if you don't. But she is um, one of the park rangers who is introduced and she just can't stop smiling like the entire time she's on screen she is just smiling the entire fucking time she shows up and she's like there's uh she's like I wouldn't miss a Kelly briefing and then she just has this like smile the entire time and she's the one person that of course has to get naked and skinny dip in the waterfall and gets like murdered there but the entire time she is walking around as if like she's trying to stay in character the entire time and it's like she can't she like <laughs> Stop smiling.
2: I'm on film. Her sh- like, <laughs> but, and her stripping to go into the waterfall while she's on duty.
3: Well, I, I love that the line was basically like, you know, I'm going to go soak. She's like, I'm going to go soak my feet. And yeah. then she gets and topless. She <laughs> my feet. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, listeners, I wish she could just see you a very fat are your eyes only.
4: When she when she gets attacked, the bear's arms like come out of the waterfall and like pull yes! back into the waterfall and it's like clearly a man. <laughs> like
3: <laughs> eighteen foot bears hiding behind that waterfall and she didn't notice.
2: Yeah, they're, like, not a subtle creatures. Like, they are, ju- like, stinky and gross and loud. Like, that's, inc- that's incredible.
4: I think also that's one of the parts where they had Bear Kim and the bear had started out, like, not behind the waterfall. Yeah. So it would be literally impossible for the bear to go behind the waterfall without them noticing. There's just literally no impossible. way. Literally impossible. It would have been so fun. If this movie
2: was just a dude and it was literally a man in a bear suit being a serial killer and they discover that it is literally a scary man living in a cave and like is killing women. That would be fun. Not fun. But I think that would be interesting.
4: If the guy in the deer pelt was ended up being the person in the bear suit. And he's, <gasps> oh, he's secretly the so killer. Cool. Oh my God. Because he's already wearing pelts.
2: <laughs> and then and then there's this epic showdown and instead of like Kelly killing him, a real bear comes out of nowhere and kills him, and then all was right with nature and the universe. <laughs> and the bear like just one of those really weird human bear moments human bear human animal moments where they acknowledge each other <laughs> solemnly and move yeah,
4: on with, it, with it. a nod with a solemn nod. Doctor,
3: doctor, and then doctor. They continue on their way. <laughs>
4: <laughs> we did it we did
3: it.
2: So. I'm, I'm rewriting
3: Grizzly. <laughs> <laughs> what we're talking about right now though makes completely 110,000 times more sense than what than what was on film to be right. perfectly it, honest.
4: It says something about the material that we're talking about when we can just come up with a hypothetical situation. That's way better.
3: Just sitting here pulling shit out of our ass. And it's like, this is so much better than anything that was on celluloid in this movie.
4: I feel like we could walk away from this with something really viable on our hands, guys. I
3: mean, I think we're, I think we're making a found footage bear attack movie. I think that's kind of what we're going to do with this now. I'm into uh it. My favorite point, and this just like popped in my head, is they're the hunters. So there's these drunk hunters and they're out in the, in the woods chasing down after this bear, which is, of course, again, a plot point from Jaws, which we're going to keep going back to while we discuss this.
2: Can but- you imagine even putting a gun in near your hand when you're drunk?
3: Like no. I can't even imagine
2: holding a gun now as a person. Like in general, I guns scare the shit out of me. But drunken hunters is the most terrifying thing. It's scarier than any bear. It's a drunken hunter. Yeah, Jesus you did Dick Christ.
4: Yeah, it's, it's more common than you think where I'm from. Yeah, it, it was super. Com- no, it is super common because like
2: I I learned that after I worked on a show. I mean, I worked on a show that was took place in a very rural area. And like, oh yeah. Like hunting while drunk is like a common thing. I was like, that's in fucking, that's in fucking insane to me. That's yeah. a, that's wild.
4: Like my my dad would get ready to hunt, and like the first thing that he would do is load up a cooler that he can carry with him, <laughs> him in the woods. It's a it's the yeah. it's like the
2: it's like a manly thing to do, like to go hang out and drink beers and shoot, shoot animals. Guns. Yeah, sorry. So this, this, no. this is not meant to be an anti-gun, anti-hunting podcast. Sorry, guys.
4: I know, and we're about to get flooded with so much hate mail
3: <laughs> because it.
4: of because of all the right wingers who listen to Because this of grizzly,
3: yeah,
4: because of grizzly, <laughs> canceled over
2: 1976 creature feature grizzly. Honestly, I welcome it with open arms.
3: <laughs> but so there's this one hunter that's going off on his own, and that's the first time we see the bear. We actually see the bear on camera, and. The hunter drops his gun immediately instead of like shooting it or whatever and starts runting, runting, running. (laughs) And (laughs) while the bear is grunting, he is runting. I don't know. But but there's a shot and the shot just like kills me of the the hunter is running and he leaps from a rock to a very thin tree that is literally maybe, I don't know, seven to eight feet off the ground and slides down the tree and goes, Ow. Because he hits something on it and then he takes off running again and like falls into water with a Jesus, like falling into the water where he is then washed away to safety. But I was like, this is the energy I want this movie to have because this is silly as fuck.
4: He slides down the tree like it's a, like one of those fireman poles. that the yes. guy, like, He like goes around it.
3: I was like, dude, you literally could have jumped off that rock. Like that rock ain't that high. (laughs) Ooh, like Scooby Doo ass shit. (laughs) Ow! (laughs) Zoinks! But okay, so director, directors William Girdler, and William Girdler uh, was known for directing black exploitation films. He directed Abby. He's a white guy. But he directed Abby, which was um, sued by Warner Brothers for kind of ripping off The Exorcist. So we have that. <laughs> we have this movie that is obviously a ripoff of Jaws. There was a quote I found in IMDb where he was talking, where he was mentioning how people called him the ripoff king, and he only made. <laughs> He only made nine movies in his career because he passed away shortly after making The Manitou. He died in a, in a helicopter crash, uh, like, right after filming that. It was it had nothing to do with the movie, but um, right after finishing filming The Manitou, he perished in a helicopter crash. But he had nine movies in, like, the 70s that he made in, like, between 72 and 78. So, he made, like, nine movies in six years. And then was no more. But, like, I remember back in 2019 uh i think it's the knoxville um horror fest did a girdler thon where they did like three movies of of girdlers and one of them was manitou one was grizzly and one was abby and then the year after that uh the sequel to grizzly which was being made in this in the 80s um and has an opening scene with george clooney laura dern and charlie sheen were in this movie. That movie was being made in the 80s and never got finished because it was being filmed in Hungary but apparently one of the producers fled with the money. The Hungarian government seized most of the equipment for non-payment of bills and then post production. The well, so here's the thing. They were they oh no. didn't finish the movie because they were going to shoot this animatronic bear back in the states. But then the animatronic bear did not work. <laughs> so most of the stuff that they had filmed was a man in a bear suit in Hungary because again, they were going to have this animatronic bear that didn't work and then no one had money to finish it. And so it never got finished. There was like VHS work prints of that film that people had found. And then back in 2020, it was finally finished. Someone came up, found all of the like bits and pieces of it and somehow made a movie. And it was, and it also premiered at, at Knox, at Knox horror fest in 2020
4: that explains a lot because I saw that there was a sequel, mm-hmm. Grizzly 2, and it was listed as 2020. And I was like, well, there's no fucking way that that's true. <laughs> and so now it's it's all coming together because the, the screenshot that I saw was of like a frightened Charlie Sheen.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and they're all three of their names are on the poster. And they're oh, probably, yeah. they're only in it for like, what, like five, ten five minutes. minutes. They're like killed five in the opening, the the opening in the scene. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. Very scream, very scream of them. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I feel like I should watch this now.
3: I kind of wanted to. I wanted to watch it before we recorded, and then I just didn't. But I, I've heard it's. I've heard it's terrible. But
4: well, ob- obviously.
3: I, <laughs> I know that that is a shocking revelation to, <laughs> to you
2: all. Well, you know what the, sh- the fucking shocking revelation was to me—that this movie made thirty-nine million dollars in the box office. Like that, to me. It was made for, Wikipedia says $750,000, which is pretty low for a movie. And in 1976, it made $39 million, which is crazy pants to me. Like that that like that like ratio is wild. Like this is not a movie I would have expected to do well at the box office. But maybe they were right ripping off of Jaws. Because that had to be a huge part of why it did so well. Oh, absolutely. For
3: what... This
2: is
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: There's one other thing I want to talk about very briefly. Is that there was a tie-in novelization that came out. Um, I want to say like I think it was published around the same time as the as the film came out, and it um it gave several specific reasons as to why the grizzly bear started killing and eating humans. One, it grew too fast, and so its mother drove it off before it knew how to hunt properly. It injured enter- it injured its jaw before entering the park, thus causing it serious pain.
2: See, oh, I thought you said. It started its job. I'm like, what are you oh. talking about? It started it its job. It's was
3: like,
4: he's a little business bear. Teddy <laughs> the bu- the business bear.
3: And the reason why he got a taste, this is the part, this is the part, I cannot wait to, to see your faces. The reason why he got a taste for for human blood was that his first victim was a menstruating woman.
4: <laughs> as as in <if>, honestly. <laughs>
2: What? <laughs> Their menstruation attracts bears. Mhm. Mhm. Mm-hmm. I almost applaud it for going that far. Like I almost want to like be impressed, but not, cuz it's there it's probably terribly done. But
4: you know, there's a part of me that's also like at least the book gave reasons. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's a- also because <laughs> the movie is just this bear just started doing this I would have loved
2: to hear a movie in which those men who are supposed to be like the pinnacle of masculinity say the word menstruation at least three times <laughs> that would have been an incredible experience
1: oh.
4: <laughs> wow they would have whispered it they would have been like That's... well chief she was menstruating <laughs>
1: menstruating
4: that's actually what kills them it's not the bear
2: (laughs) 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 oh my god Um, but I also see that Grizzly was the top grossing independent film of the year and Uh held the record until Halloween came out in 78 Uh what isn't that crazy
3: it's it's so bananas it's so bananas I can't
2: I can't wrap my
4: brain around it at all (laughs) because like so many movies better than this have made so much less it's also like, I mean, as far as I can tell, like, pretty much forgotten movie. Like, people don't talk about this movie. Like, it's, it's like very, very niche, you know? Because. Terry had the Blu-ray, but you got it as part of the pack. Yeah,
2: I was gonna say you have it, but you had never seen it.
3: I had never seen it. I it was Severin put it out, and they did like a Nature Attack thing. And I got the package because I wanted a shark, one of the shark movies because I'm obsessed with really bad shark movies, and it was included in that package, and that movie was included. And then I also found out when I was. Right before we started recording, that Day of the Animals, which was, again, another uh, Girdler film that was another Nature Attack film, was also included in that package. So I have both Grizzly and his follow-up, Day of the Animals, in my Blu-ray collection behind me that I completely did not realize I had.
4: <laughs> it just so happened.
3: It just so happened.
4: <laughs> One other thing, at the very end, when they launched the, the grenade launcher... Mm. The bear explodes, essentially.
3: Like it's a car or something?
4: There's literally, yeah, like it's a car, and there's literally nothing left. No blood. There's nothing. It explodes, and then it's empty field.
2: But the explosion is so obviously CGI, too. Like, it looks like a planet exploding in Star Wars. Like, the explosion is, like, so obviously not, like, a real realistic explosion in any stretch of the imagination it's That like his bones are incinerated
4: yeah it yes. was vaporized there was it was like there's nothing left it doesn't like amble around you know <laughs> screaming you know like i you just you you want that that's what and want. there's no like blood and like at least in like in jaws
2: at least like you get a realistic explode like it explodes but there's a fucking reason it explodes and you get like the actual look of the explosion. And it's pretty gross. Like you see the gnarly, the gnarly,
3: the gnarly, (laughs) the gnarly. I was actually waiting for like a moment when all he was sitting there afterwards to like blood, just like drop on him. I was like waiting for something because he was really close to the bear when it blew up, but there's literally nothing. There was literally nothing.
4: That would have been funny. And they didn't know they were making a funny movie. That's They ran out
3: of ketchup. That's probably what happened. Yeah ketchup and bacon they just they used it too much
4: there ain't nothing like a movie that
2: ends with an explosion of something and everyone gets showered in guts and blood like at least just give me that even if it's just like water that's dyed red at least show me something
4: it's just someone standing off camera with a bucket and the and it's coming from like (laughs) the bottom and it like sloshes up and you're like yes that's all i wanted i don't care it's coming from the wrong direction who cares yeah. Put Kool-Aid in it. You can just dump some Kool-Aid in
2: there and it'll be kind of red. You can color correct it. It's fine.
4: <laughs> I'm so glad that I could bring this movie to you guys and just <laughs>
2: We are we have talked about it longer than the movie is, and I almost longer than the movie is, and that's I love that. And we've just been roasting it too. Like we have
3: It's really <laughs> roasting. So my my final question before we, we wrap up, May, is that this movie um, terrified you as a kid to the point that you stopped watching it and you had not revisited it until this week. Did this movie terrify you as an adult?
4: <laughs> I mean, there are aspects of it that are for completely different reasons. <laughs> but mostly, um, yeah, it's it's a comedy, isn't it? That's what it is. It's a, it's a misogynist comedy.
0: Mm,
2: my favorite, <laughs> my favorite, yeah. my favorite flavor of comedy. Well, y'all, do we want to wrap this up and give this our ratings out of five?
3: Oh boy, yes, let's. So, Terry, how many lopped off limbs out of five do you give Grizzly? Oh my God, we didn't even talk about the poor kid that loses his leg.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs>
4: You can locked off limbs. <laughs> yeah, you can have locked
3: yeah, off limbs. That was my favorite part of the movie, actually, because it was like, oh, we're killing. No, we didn't kill a kid. I because know. Because he gets saved. But, like, I thought that kid was dead. I, like, rewound it a few times. was like, what? Because it's, like, such a-, a brief moment. Like, you could tell that they wanted to film longer, but they probably had to cut it for MPAA shit, you know? But I was like, wow this kid is losing his leg and that is fantastic and then his mom gets crushed in a bear hug how many times did this guy did this monster just bear hug people like
4: yeah it, the it waterfall was, was a lot. yeah death by crushing
3: death by crushing Ugh,
4: <laughs> that sounds
3: like a horrendous <laughs> way to die yeah they should have be great. into
4: that.
3: they really should There's a lot they should have leaned in, like pick a direction and lean hard into it. Just something. Okay, so lopped off limbs out of five. This movie is not good. This movie is probably like I'm going to take one and a half (laughs) lopped off limbs, to be perfectly honest. I think that if this if you I think you mentioned this May earlier, how if this movie if you were in a in a theater full of people that knew what they were getting themselves into and the alcohol was flowing and people were just having a good time. This would be a fantastic film because it is so ridiculous. I almost wish someone would take like a Rocky Horror Picture Show um, set to this and have people acting out the dialogue in front because the dialogue, the dialogue in this is just chef's kiss bad. It is, it is the opposite of what you should do in a movie. And I, I applaud it for making such inane nonsensical, word use. <laughs> it just, it, it kills me, but it's, it's not a good movie. And somehow for a movie that is 91 minutes long, feels longer than jaws, good which time. I don't, again, is not a long. does not feel like a long movie, but is a long movie. It's two, almost two hours long. This movie feels like really long. And I think may, you mentioned that you spaced out a couple times. I had to like rewind. So I was like, shit, I'm not taking any notes. Cause my mind just started wandering, but yeah, this movie is not good. Uh, but I am so glad that we were here to talk about this. Cause I, This was a lot more fun than watching the movie. But what about you, Mary Beth? How many lopped off limbs?
2: It's like one, it's one and a half for the movie and like four for like the experience of watching it and talking about it. You know what I mean? Like it's Mm -hmm. not well made. The dialogue is terrible. We talked about it, but like, it's funny to watch. And I feel like this would be very fun to watch with friends Mm -hmm. and like talking about it it's hilarious. And I know it's not the point of the movie, and I. but I feel like I am very, I enjoyed the experience of both watching it and talking about it. Like, watching it by myself, I was watching it while I was working, and I was just muttering to myself like, what is this? What? <laughs> and I honestly applaud your movie if you can make me verbalize that. Like, even mm. if it's bad, I still applaud you for eliciting, like, an actual reaction out of me like that. Like, I'll always respect it. It might not be for good reasons, but you know what? You got me to really... Emotionally engaged with your work, so that's something. I even um,
4: question everything. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, May, you have the final word. How many lopped off limbs out of five do you give Grizzly?
4: I give it one lopped off limb, and that's just to represent the uh, first kill, the lopped off mm. arm. I, I just wanted cool. to pay tribute to that. All right. Yeah, it's like the most gore I that you really it. get out of it
0: it really is it's that
4: arm and it it's really just thrown is. so quickly and like it just really does look like a
2: fake arm that they just put a little bit of blood on the edge it didn't even like really look like a torn off arm it just looks like a
4: <clears throat> <laughs> it looks like a
3: boomerang. Someone threw a boomerang and filmed it in slow motion that is what it look like
4: one boomerang
3: love it love it well thank you so much may for bringing this wild ass movie to us so we could talk about it because this was a whole lot of fun where can our listeners find you and what do you have coming up that you'd like to share
4: Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at XO. I also have a website MayMurray.net, that I need to be a lot better updating (laughs) and next I'm going to be crowdfunding my big queer horror novel Um, so yeah donate to that
3: yeah. And listeners, we're going to put all of the, the links to the Kickstarter and to um, the, the book that you edited that just came out, uh, Queer Saints. Right? Yeah. I, it's like I had my notes and then they vanished and I'm like trying to remember off of everything. But yes. So all of that notes will be like in our show notes. And I keep pointing down as if people can see it. And I keep doing that. And I don't know why that is a thing now.
2: I love but it. It's incredible. In our show
3: notes, so go support that Kickstarter, please.
2: Yes, please. So everyone, you've heard from us, but we want to hear from you. What was your experience with Grizzly? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MBMcAndrews.
3: And I'm at Dreadful.
2: And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast.
3: And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe.
2: Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. Most importantly, stay creepy.